Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast with me, Ray Harkins, your ever-present host, hanging out with people in independent music, whether it's playing in a band, whether it's putting out records, something involved with this awesome music scene that we hold so dear. And as I get older, I'm like, man, this is this has sustained me. This has been going on. I still care. And I, I like that. And I hope you still care. So, who do we have this week? We have Eric Imprada. He is the drummer for Night Versus. He also is the drummer for The Fever, which is uh, X Let Live and Chariot, and they just have a lot of cool stuff going on. And uh, little, little did I know, I actually knew him, even though this got scheduled through a publicist and you know all the normal procedures that you do to uh, have a guest on a show. And uh, once he came to the door, I was like, wait a minute, I, I've met you. And then we put two and two together. And it's just great when that happens, because uh, that's this whole world of music. So let's uh, let's talk about some other stuff first. And then we will talk about Eric, because our conversation was awesome, just really in depth and fun, fun, frankly. Uh, so what do I got to tell you about? I have to tell you about Rockabilia. Obviously, Rockabilia is the place where you buy all of your band merch. They have over half a million items. You can buy anything you would like from long sleeves to sweaters, any band. You're like, hey, I want to I want a turnover sweatshirt. They got it. You want a, a have heart shirt. They got it. You want a Bane hoodie. They got it. Whatever it is that you were looking for, they have it. And it's officially licensed, which means that the bands are getting paid for this stuff. All the crappy bootlegs that you see either on eBay or on Amazon. Those are not the real deal. Do not be suckered into buying those. Buy it from the source, either directly from the band or Rockabilia. It's the same difference. So do it. And I am going to give you 15% off by using this code PCJabberJaw. PCJabberJaw, use that code and you will be getting 15% off your order. It's a great company and I could not be more happy about them aligning themselves with this show and uh, yeah they just do really really good work so thank you very much rockabilia pc jabberjaw 15 percent off do it up and then um i've been getting some feedback recently uh you you so if you're listening right now you have not left a review on itunes 
please go do that. Go leave a written review or rank this five stars. As weird as it is, the chart position in iTunes and in an Apple podcast is very meaningful. So uh, do that. And the more interactivity that we have with that, the more people to get exposed to the show and blah, blah, blah. So please, if you've not reviewed the show, go dive in and do that. Okay, please. And what else have I been getting feedback on? I'm going to so many shows this week. I'm going to see Architects. I'm going to see Jawbreaker. I'm going to see Harm's Way in Vain. I'm, I'm actually just tired even talking about all those shows. But I'm excited because there's a lot of rad music, a lot of fun times. I never thought I would see Jawbreaker play at the Hollywood Palladium. Like, that's just blowing my mind. And they sold out like two nights in a row. And I think they're on their way to selling out a third. It's nuts. Long live music, right? Okay. Uh, and I also have to tell you that uh, the Taken EP is going to be coming out in late April. Pay attention. I will mention some stuff on here at some point. I'll probably play you a song. So pay attention. That's my, that's my band. And I'm really proud of this uh, this piece of work that we're putting out. So that is that. And uh, Eric Imprada, he is a very good drummer. <laughs> like, not just a very good drummer. He is a performative drummer. He is uh, a guy that is incredibly engaged with his instrument, with the crowd. Because, you know, some drummers, they just kind of get behind their kit and do their thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, Eric definitely takes it to the next level. And um, I just I, I admire that. I admire a person who's like, you know what? I want to carve my own niche. I want to do my own thing. And that's exactly what Eric has done. If you've seen any of his bands, you know what I'm talking about. So he is uh, an incredibly engaging chat. And that is a chat that I want to bring to you right now. So here's Eric. And I will talk to you after the episode is over. shows together and i was like i was like i knew in my head just the fact that because you exist in orange county you were you know obviously grew up in fullerton i was like we had to have met but the uh and then the fact that you know we also had mutual connections with uh friends as far as like you know bo managing him and all that sort of stuff and like i was aware of your band just through you know working with will as well right um this may be like a, a big question to start off with but it's like the uh I always admire bands that have the idea of being like, all right, we want to be really technical yet like catchy. <laughs> Cause like that, those are two, those are really hard to do. And it's like, you know, that, that in me, in my mind, like that's kind of the summation of night verses where it's like, you guys want to be, you know, heavy, but then you're not just like, well, yeah, we're not just writing, you know, verse chorus stuff. That's like, I mean, you are, but you're not. No, no, totally, totally. <laughs> so like the, I mean, I presume the ambition was always like you wanted to be in very sort of technically proficient bands or is that something that just happened because you kept pushing yourself? Uh, it's kind of weird. I think it's, this is going to be almost like a reverse answer, but I think sure. because we came up on punk uh-huh. and we always looked at stuff that was like too nerdy as lame. Mm. I mean, we were young, so we were just oh, of course, right, right, judgmental right. punks, but like, sure. I think we just never wanted to let go of that factor that was what brought us in in the first place. Right. So inherently the fact that we played together since we were 12 in the same room five days a week we just got better and people That's would true. just try and do stuff like push each you other were practicing five days a week yeah like though because we all lived 10 minutes from each other right and uh we started jamming when we were like 12 in different projects right because i was in a band with riley who's a bass player and then mm-hmm. a separate band with nick who's a guitar player and 
as high school bands go, members just yeah, switch out. Yeah, it in and out, right. Yeah, so eventually it was us three with other people up till this point. And then right. I'd say once we were like 17 to probably the last year we played like five days a week and like took it real. I don't know why we took it so serious now. Like, like we would, cause we could only practice at my house till 10 at night. Uh-huh. So if somebody's schedule was off, we would like go to Riff Haas and, and practice at a practice studio and oh. we wouldn't even have shows coming up. We would just be like, we need to write, like we need to do something. Wow. And, uh, so yeah, I think it was, it was just kind of a natural process. Like, and that's why we pushed so long, even when we'd go in and out of having singers. Cause between, the singers we'd had before and Doug, we were instrumental uh-huh. for like a year and a half, two years, just trying out different people. Right. But because we grew up liking the bands that we did, we just, we were like, let's just keep trying. Let's just keep working with singers. Let's keep making this happening. Yeah, yeah. happen. And then eventually it got to the point where like, now that we're at the age we're at, we're just trying to do what we will be most effective at and what we, we know we can control. So right. we like instrumental music, but I mean, we grew up on like, like Russian circles and Godspeed you black emperor. And so it's exciting that there are new instrumental bands like animals as leaders that are really technical and they're kind of opening the doors for a new scene coming up. Right. But we don't listen to that. So we're just, we're just happy it exists. So we have shows to play. (laughs) Yeah. That you have like like like-minded ish bands to play with. And it's not just like, Oh, who's this weird instrumental band? Exactly. Right. Right. That's so, uh, I find it so interesting that, you know, you name those two bands. Like, cause I mean, Runs and Circles and Godspeed, like, you know, those aren't like quote unquote normal bands that people could like get into. And like, obviously, you know, before recording, you're talking about ISIS. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's, you know, it, that just goes to show me that you were, you know, n- always kind of like looking for more when it came to music. Definitely. Like, why, but I mean, why, like, were you guys all just kind of ping ponging off each other like that? Like you'd bring, you'd bring a record to practice and be like, dude, check this out. And it blows people's minds or how did that work? So it's really weird because we grew up in, in, in Fullerton and, sure. uh, I mean, we got hit with the whole, like coming out of new metal era, Deftones and, and yeah. stuff like that into, um, like thrice thrice took over everybody's life absolutely and and so we had this weird challenge where we never knew what we wanted to do like we'd try and do thrice but we just weren't that type of band and, <laughs> right, right you know what i mean like it, it was just a confusing time and to be honest it's weird to say this but i think one of the biggest influences for all of that more um heady kind of music was mm-hmm. nick the guitarist dad was playing us like godspeed and like took me to my first opeth show when i was like 15 and was really he's been in tune with like all of the good music for the last 40 years wow and so he was super supportive of nick Mm -hmm. um but also was like hey check this out and like gave gave me like my first dead can dance cd and like just really like like he he just kind of listened and even when he didn't necessarily connect with it Mm -hmm. he would still like keep tabs on it and be like i think you would like this so I mean, that's impressive, dude, especially too, because like, you know, when you're looking at older figures, especially when you're looking at like parents, you know, you're never being like, yo, their music taste is cool. But like the fact that he was already like he 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 broke through that barrier and then was also like, oh, here, like taking you to to an Opeth show like that's that's pretty rare. Yeah, (laughs) especially from like (laughs) a a friend's father to be like, here, check this out, guys. Totally. But honestly, like, I mean, we all had our own influences and and from that kind of stemmed off into our own places where like on our own, we don't listen to anything the same, but we know we want to make the same music when we're together. But his dad 
was definitely like at least for me and Nick the weird uh yeah 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 like the avant-garde yeah because because like, and it's it's interesting too because like you know when you are of that age um, you know, you're listening to music one of two ways. Like one of them is really kind of devoid of like, you don't care if a band at that age is in like the scene or anything, you know, you're just right, like listening right, to right. music for music's sake. Whereas like when you're, you know, 18 to 22, like the scene has to like, you're like, Oh, I can't like this thing that doesn't <laughs> yeah. really fall into that category. Totally. But, and then also like that your brain was kind of ready for that challenging music. Cause a lot of the times, you know, you have to be frankly a certain age in order to like, really soak in well i i don't know if it was ready like <laughs> that's true i get what you're saying i totally agree with you <laughs> but i remember like some of those records right i mean and this was just like a, a big life lesson for me was i would get those records like godspeed i, I would try and play and i'd be like fast forward i'm like oh of i don't, course, I don't know yeah. what's happening here's a 25 minute song right yeah. Right, yeah yeah but then when i started drawing a lot i would play it and all of a sudden when my attention was on something else like I would get hit with it and right. then I would start listening to it when I was drawing or like dead can dance. For example, I had uh, into the labyrinth for like two years and I'd put on a song or two and I just right. was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. And then we were on tour with Norm Jean and we were in a bus and we were driving through the Alps and my window of my bunk was like just open to it. Uh-huh. So I'm looking over a cliff and it came on shuffle and all of a sudden I was like, Oh, Oh, I get it now. Yeah. Everything. Dude, I, lo- I, I love those examples because those are like, I think so many people have those things in their lives where it's like either it's a record that is supposed to, you know, be influential and they're like, well, I don't get it right now. But then it just takes that like either the context or a moment totally. for it to like wash over you. Yeah. And I actually think um, sometimes I wish that there were different formats that people could get introduced to music. Cause like, for example, when I was growing up, I just didn't connect with hip hop at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like hating on it by any means. It just didn't speak to me. Right, right. And then I would life. see like the right song and escape video and that would end up on my playlist for like the next <laughs> totally, year. Totally, totally. And it's like, I feel like there are so many different times when, especially now because algorithms like fit to what you normally listen to, that people are missing out on good music because they're not being given the, the context that like MTV would have provided me with when I was in junior high or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's hard because... I get why it's beneficial to have like uh, from a marketing standpoint to have your whole intake tailored to your interests. Of course. But it's kind of hard to expand your interests when it's only playing off of what you previously listened to. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, it's a really good point, especially like you were saying the 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 thing that uh, I always look at, like you're saying the word context, where it's just like if you are able to either draw a lineage of like why this band or artist exists and you're able to see like the through lines of like, Oh yeah, they used to play in this scene or did this thing. And you're able to kind of connect those things. It may make you like it more because you're like, Oh, like this wasn't just born, you know, out of nowhere or whatever. Totally. And then, but then, yeah, when you do, when you are kind of shut off to the idea of like being introduced to these different styles of music, because it's not being presented to you on your weekly playlist or whatever, that does make it difficult because, and plus all you're doing is looking at that playlist and just looking at the band, like being like, oh, that's a cool song. Like, you know, it it takes, you know, three more steps for you to be able to like place it in context of where this exists in music. Like who, like, where does this go? And exactly. It's harder. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I get like, okay, I'll never forget this. I, so I worked while I was, was trying to figure out how to make money sure. uh, playing music. <laughs> of which course. Still a, it's a, still a, still a thing. It's yeah, a yeah. journey. <laughs> but, but while I was figuring that out, I was working at the YMCA for seven years, and I was uh, doing an after-school program with uh, K through six graders. And I remember asking my sixth graders, and mind you, like my sixth grade like 
way to kill time was to just take my binder and write as many band names as possible. Sure. Like, like yeah. everything. You know what I mean? Like, even if I didn't know any songs. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. I know the Misfits I still know logo. The ba- <laughs> like, and so I would like- write it on there. <laughs> and I remember asking my sixth graders, and this was 2000, like, 13 maybe. Okay. I said, uh, can you guys name 10 rock bands? And they could name two. Like, a collective group of, of 11 to 12-year-olds could name the Beatles and Green Day. Right. And that was it. And I was like, You're my like, mind was blown. Totally. I, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And uh, it's, I mean, and they all had older brothers and sisters and their older brothers and sisters and never played them anything. And I thought it was so weird. And that yet they knew like, like that, that movie, I would hear about this all the time from the kids. They'd watch that uh, Pitch Perfect movie. Of course. Right. And they would know songs from the eighties. I can't remember if it was like a Tears for Fears song or something like that, but uh-huh, sure. they knew the music and they liked it. So I knew that like, in the right context, they were still connecting with it, but just with the environment that was around them, whether it be their parents or their their older brothers and sisters or whatever, right? They just literally could name only two rock bands. I thought it was the weirdest thing. Yeah, ever. yeah, that is very wild. Um, and speaking of brothers and sisters, like how I know your parents were extremely supportive over you know your music vision and right. you know you playing drums and everything like that because um, they played music themselves. Yeah. Um, do you have any brothers and sisters, or you- I have a little sister. Okay, and uh, she. It was cool because, like, I feel like she has this window of, like, 2006 where I somehow could influence her to, like, all the only rock bands that she still liked. I mean, granted, she did, she does, like, uh, classic rock because that's what our parents raised us on. Sure. But in 2006, I gave her Relationship of Command and uh, Saturday Night Wrist. Oh, pretty much all of whatever Deftones it had out up to that point. <laughs> sure. And, and everything from Incubus. And those are still the only rock shows she goes to. Like, I swear. It's amazing. After that year, she was like, nah, She's I'm like, not into I'm it. Good. Well, I mean, it, it does. It brings up a point where it's like, I mean, I think this was like a year or so ago where I, you know, I read, I think the age in which people stop, like le- legitimately stop listening to new music and stop seeking it out is like, thir- I think it's 32 or 33 years old. And this is a, sp- okay. you know, a study done by Spotify or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, to your point, like people reach a certain age in which they're like when music isn't like isn't the center of their life like it is for you and i right they're just like like i'm good i've got my <laughs> i've got my 40 things i need to listen to and totally. but i just like it how you could pinpoint it to 2006 no. where she's like i'm done <laughs> she was so well, what's funny is like i would show her things that i know uh-huh. you could 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 have could open for those shows and it would be awesome and she's like i don't know i don't believe them Right. I just don't believe this guy. Wow. And I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty, like, that's a cool observation. I mean, from herself where she's just like, oh yeah, I don't it, like, it doesn't strike me as much. Right. Not just like, I don't like the music. It's just like, oh, I don't believe it. Yeah. Like she's not like anti rocker. I mean, she'll no, still no, go no, to no. every, every Incubus show. She actually got to see, uh, I mean, this is more to the classic rock side, but she sure. got to see Tom Petty like two weeks before he passed Oh, at the bowl. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Like she, she, she's dope. She's got good taste, but yeah. it was just funny. Cause literally anything else after that year, she, yeah, she's like, no interest. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Um, and so you're, uh, you've, I mean, from what I know about you, you've always, uh, kind of struck me as like an outgoing person, you know, like you, um, as far as being friendly and like, you know, the, uh, but the common conception of drummers is usually like, Oh, they're the weirdos behind the camera. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the, yeah. that's a stereotype of like, either they are just, you know, they're on the beat of their own path or right, right, right. they just don't know how to interact with other people or whatever. <laughs> like, but you've never struck me as that. And like, you know, the, uh, I guess the performative nature of the way that you play drums, like, you know, kind of goes into the outgoing experience. Like, has that always kind of been who you were or did you have to kind of grow into that? <laughs> Uh, so I think what happened was I just, drums were like a, uh, 
coincidence. It was a coincidence that I had drums and that I decided to commit to them because I, I I've um pretty hard time sticking to one thing. Like just my attention goes all over. Like I've I played like twenty sports growing up and skated and drew and everything else. And um, what happened was. I had a drum set from a very young age, but I couldn't focus. So I would just run, make a bunch of noise, and then take off. And then, <laughs> like, break that set. And my parents, I would ask for another one just because it, was, it felt like it was supposed to be there. Sure. And then even I would lose my sticks. I'd play with, like, castle towers, like Lego oh, castle towers. Course. Right, right, right. Break that drum set. And, uh, you know, I, I, w- I grew up in a school that um, it, it's Whitman uh, Elementary School in Cerritos. And it's predominantly Asian. And mm-hmm. so my whole life... I'm going to talent shows where these kids are just phenomenal. Just killing it, right. So I didn't even see... It was like watching another language. Like, I just assumed I would never get there. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, I was so behind. I'm not saying this to be cheesy. This is honest. That every year that they would announce, like, so-and-so is playing a Beethoven piece, I was always like, this this was not in the movie. Like, this was not... I don't know this song. And it really... I just was so disconnected with any traditional training. And then um, the minute I got into junior high... It was like seventh grade to skateboarding, eighth grade, everybody got a guitar. Okay. And the first time I played a song, like we wrote a song, and it was just an intro, mm-hmm. I was like, now I have a reason That's to practice. That's what's it. Exactly. Right. So I think the, the whole reason I gave this backstory is that I've never felt like I had a deep connection with just drums. They just happened to be what what made sense because I had them and because I just I'm kind of like a like rambunctious person and and I mm-hmm. never had to worry about hitting a right chord. Like you just you hit the drum and it sounds the way it's supposed to. Of course. And if you're frustrated, you can go crazy and they're not going to break as easy. So I think that the only reason that that I don't fit that stereotype is that I just never obsessed over drumming as much as I did playing music. And I think the the whole performance aspect I can root directly to seeing uh at the drive-ins Big Day Out concert. Oh, sure. When uh, they went to go play Arc Arsenal and like I just saw Omar flailing uh-huh. and I was like, that's what I want to do. Right. Like almost to the point where I didn't play. I was like, I need a guitar because I can't do this. And then I started to see the benefit in the fact that I just didn't see any drummers playing that way. Of course. And then tried really hard for the last whatever, 12 years to, <laughs> to connect the right, two, right. two things. So I would say that's probably the difference. No, that's I, I, I like how you lay it out like that because it does... Um, I mean, an obsession over an instrument um, can obviously happen to anybody of any personality. But when a person goes like so far into their instrument and, you know, becomes such a gearhead that they, you know, they they lose sight of the, uh, you know, not only the social aspect, but like the creative aspect where it's just like they're so focused on, you know, the gear, the technicality of it that it's like, oh, like I am creating this thing to connect other people. Like, right. You know, I I mean, not that's not like the sole thing, but, you know, that's all that's I mean, music is social. Like, that's the way that it always will be. Totally, totally. And I think that's what we are trying, especially now that we're committing to being an instrumental band, uh, trying really hard not to lose because so many of our our peers um, that are on a certain level. And I'm not I'm not saying other instrumental bands, but just I just yeah, like even just going to Nam this past week. Sure. um, You see that all they do is just chill in their room and acquire skill. Right. And like, it's super impressive in course on, on a, a work ethic level. Obviously it's, it's incredibly inspiring, but uh, we just don't want that. Right. So, so that that's just, I mean like we always, we can dive pretty far into the technical stuff, but we'll always pull back and like, li- again, listen to, uh, at the drive-in on the way to the show or something. Right, or right, like right. Rage, yeah, you don't want to be... machine or something. Right, right. Because there's a fine line between being technical for technical sake to right. like, 
you're like, Hey, we're, you know, I mean, it's always funny when you're in a band and then you're like, Oh dude, this part's going to bum people out. Cause like, you know, it's not mosh <laughs> yeah. enough or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's funny, but it's not to the extent where you're, you know, you're like, you know, you're sacrificing where it's just like, Oh man, I can't wait to ruin this song by doing that. You know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And we've, de- we've definitely ruined a few songs over the years, <laughs> but I, I know exactly what you mean. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, and when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Pardon the interruption, but I have to tell you about this incredible company that I believe greatly in. So... You, you like to be healthy, right? You'd like to keep your hair, right? So how about go to 4 what, what is it, you ask? It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness, all for men. They've got medical-grade solutions, real doctors, and well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions that can help you keep your hair. 4 offers men easier, more affordable access to the prescriptions and products that med- and medical advice that they need. There's no waiting room. There's no awkward doctor visits. And these are not herbal supplements. These are prescription solutions backed by science. Save hours by going to 4 and answering a few quick questions. Then a doctor will review and prescribe to you, and everything will be sent directly to your door. So seriously, order now. Listeners of this show, get a free trial month of everything you need to keep your hair for just $5 right now while supplies last. Go see the website for full details. And this would cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars if you went to a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash words. $5. That is what you're going to get for a trial month. It's awesome. 
Now, so many people, especially dudes, they don't go to the doctor. They don't take care of themselves. And it's, it's terrible because you would be helping yourself by avoiding so many of these common things that men experience, especially hair loss. Like what's easier to do, replace hair or keep the hair that you have. Trust me, this happens to dudes. It's happening to me. And these are things that can be preventable. So go to forhims.com slash words, please. This will help you greatly. This will help improve your health. This will, it will make your life easier. Trust me. And you will be able to go through the step-by-step process and be able to get a diagnosis for whatever it is that uh, you are curious about. So forhims.com slash words, $5 off or not $5 off, $5 for a whole month. Okay, please do that. And now on with the show. And so then kind of, you know, tracing what you're saying where it was like, you know, once you started to play guitar and then you started to, um, you know, like play shows and exist, because that was probably like, you know, early, early high school is when you started yeah. to probably like play local shows and yeah. play the alley and everything like that in Fullerton. Yeah. Um, did you like immediately take to like enjoy playing shows? And like, did, was that a cool part or was, or did you like, cause I mean, because you were practicing so much that that was kind of what you were mostly used to. Yeah. So like, how did that shift happen for you? Uh, we always liked playing shows. I yeah. think, um, every it's interesting. Cause when we talk about it, I think everybody has their different like preferences. I love playing shows. Like that's a very close second, but my favorite was always writing over recording over the, the, um, promoting aspect of music of or, or anything else. Like, it, it was like the moment, I, maybe it was because that was the thing that got me into it. But the moment that like you wrote, like I'd have a beat and Nick would put the perfect riff over it. Mm-hmm. That's always what I enjoyed most. Um, but performance was just like, it was a weird learning curve for us, I think, because uh, we, again, we watched these these crazy bands flailing around and then we'd write this music that should not be flailed to. And like kind of the only band that pulled that off was Dillinger. Dillinger, of course. So, um there was like some real bad shows in the beginning and i'll never forget this this church show where nick like went to throw his guitar over his head Mm -hmm. and uh he totally lost balance and is like falling back 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 like taking steps 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 and then takes out my hi-hat and i remember just being like all right so i just started kicking every symbol over and like (laughs) tried to act like that's what was supposed to happen but I, i i think that those are also like you know your stories are from from playing shows and touring they're not from like that moment that the riff came out of your fingers like right i mean at least not i hear that in like a documentary about a Jimi hendrix song that was of course right 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 like worldwide like like, like iconic yeah. yes exactly but um but you know like the the life part about it and what you should be doing is taking it and showing it and connecting with people like right uh, even if I enjoy one slightly more, you know, again, that's all this good stories come from when you're playing shows and when things go wrong or when things go like surprisingly right or you meet people. So, right. Uh, I think we figured it out and, and it was cool that we were all on the same level. Right. So we equally sucked until we got a little bit better each show. And yeah. there was, there was, it wasn't like there was one guy that made it difficult to, to do, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, but I do like, I mean, cause it is really rare to have what it is that you're kind of talking about as far as like, the, you know, the core dedication of, you know, two to three people that are, you know, practicing as much as you guys did, experimenting as much as you guys did, um, you know, being terrible in front of, you know, like, cause that, that's what, I mean, that's obviously what playing in, you know, your early bands is all about Yeah, where it's just like, how, how much can we not suck tonight or whatever? And it's not yeah. from like a playing perspective. Cause clearly you guys were, you know, practicing and you could like 
put it forward, but it's you know your chops weren't there from you know either songwriting or like whatever right. perspective. Totally, and then and then that that figuring out that comfort line of like you know balancing your adrenaline on stage because there's yeah, songs we could kill it in the room, and then we get on stage and we watch video. And then we would turn off the video and then we would just like, uh, when we were young, we wouldn't talk about it. Now, yeah. we'll, now we'll like assess it and figure of out how course, to step it up. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it's, it's a lot nicer to have a group of people to learn with than to just kind of hack it yourself and, and jump from band to band making right. the mistakes you do. So I, I feel very fortunate in that sense um, that, that they were down to do it that long, you know what I mean? And, and stick it out. And, and I do have to say that there were a lot of people in those times that were dedicated with us. Of course. Like obviously Doug, when he was in the band, he would, mm-hmm. he was all in, but, uh, it's just, those were the two guys that didn't yeah. start to finish. So, yeah. And it's so hard. I mean, and it, it's so hard when you're those, you know, younger volatile years where it's like, you know, going away to college and like all of these life changes that you're going through as you're putting all this together, to retain, you know, I mean, that's the hardest thing about being in a band is not breaking totally, up. Totally. <laughs> like not yeah. like losing everybody where it's like, oh, wow, it looks like I'm the only one here. Like, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't know what to do or yeah, whatever. Exactly. And that, that, that core, like you said, that core, uh, the core group of people that you were playing with were all, you know, on the same page. Like that's just, yeah, that's really rare. Um, the, you know, was there ever like, as you were going through high school and, you know, still playing in, in, in tons of bands, like, was there ever, uh, uh, a vision for you from like, you know, a career perspective, like, or was you just like, yo music, like I got to figure this out somehow. Um, I, I mean, yeah, th- there were like bad guesses at what would happen. Of like, course, right? like, yeah, when I'm 18, if like, I'm not signed, I'm going to do like, I'm going to join this band or I'm going to do, you know what I mean? Like oh, okay. there was just these, like these, like, because we would see, especially when I think when music became less, like you had to be on the radio to make it. Of course we would see these bands at Warped Tour that were our age. And so right. we'd be like, well, I can play those riffs and I, I can play that drum beat. Totally. So our band should get to that point. And right. uh, those things didn't happen the way that we thought. Of course. Right. Right. But I think ultimately like, and not, not to be cheesy or anything, but it was good for us because it made us deal with all the crap early mm-hmm. where we were like, are we actually serious about this? Because we'd have so many, we've, I'm going to make a list this year of the, the, things that have fallen through for me, Nick and Riley, because the, the list would be like 16 pages from the touring to record deals to, to whatever singers to anything. Yeah. And, and, sure. and, uh, it's funny now, but like there were some intense moments where we would be bummed for a day and then it was just always like, all right, well, what do we have to do next? And so right. that, that hesitation of what to do next just became shorter and shorter and shorter as each, each thing happened. And mm-hmm. then, uh, eventually it got to the point where, it was a very slow progression, but it was always progressing. And that, I mean, we've just, we've done so much now. It's like hard to really think. I mean, I mean, together, right. it's hard to really think of what else we would do. Right. I mean, I'm sure that we were all figuring out our own way to sustain sure. outside of the band and, and, and still fit it in the schedule. But yeah, I don't know. I think we all, I remember Nick had a, like a thing, like, I forget what it was like 25. If he's not a certain thing by 25, he's going to bail on it. And then obviously 25 comes and you're like, comes and goes. Like, well, yeah, like, I, well, I, I still, still like it, this better than everything else. So right, right. Well, because there is, there is the the central idea of you know building your life around a band, and that's like you know like whatever getting you know just like well yeah I'm gonna work at you know the bagel shop when I'm home or whatever like right. I'm gonna have these these jobs that are you know whatever transitionary for most people, but like for me this is my thing because it need it gives me the flexibility to tour or whatever like, totally. Um, 
whereas, you know, some people it's like they, they feel like once they hit that mythical age of like, Oh, once I hit this, like I got to roll up my sleeves and take this seriously or go to college or whatever it is. Yeah. But it sounded like you guys always just kind of had that central premise of like, well, yeah, we're just going to continue to build this thing. Yeah. And, and it's been interesting to see everybody kind of adjust. Um, but I mean, it's cool cause it's all different. Like mm-hmm. Riley, um, Right. I mean, Riley, just for the record, sure. I haven't brought him enough, up enough in this interview so far, but like <laughs> Riley was always really good at everything he did. Like when we were 12, uh-huh. Riley was jumping 10 stairs on a skateboard and oh, like dude, one, he, of, one of those kids. Yeah. yeah. Like if he wanted <laughs> to do that, if he didn't get into guitar, because again, it was like seventh grade was skateboarding, eighth grade was guitar. If he never got hit with that wave, he would have been fine skating. Right. Um, but Riley decided uh, a few years back that he was going to start a clothing line. And like it's been it's cool because I'm watching him look at all the mistakes we made as a band and like skipping those steps with, with his clothing line, which is sick. It's amazing. It's like a faster progression. And Nick has gotten super into, uh, to recording and, um, and Riley, because he's doing that, he's like, he's insane with Photoshop. So it's been amazing because we're all finding ways to take the things that we do outside and actually become an in-house band. And, you know, you see a band like Converge where, you have uh, Kurt doing all the the recording and Jacob's doing the the album art and it's so much cooler to me to think about that it coming is. from the band versus yeah. like when I was young I would assume that and then when you find out like this guy made the album cover you're like oh that that wasn't the singer like I don't you know when I was I young love, I, I love that you're just like you're like oh yeah every band does everything for themselves like oh wait what for yeah, real? yeah like I would have swore <laughs> that like Billy Joe drew the cover of Dookie when I was a kid or of something course, you know what totally, I mean totally totally so I, it's fun that we're uh, finding ways to integrate all of those different things. And it's, it's also uh, convenient that we're all interested in different things. So it's not like me and Riley are like Photoshop battling. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you all developed kind of your own paths that uh, independently help the band. And then, yeah, that's, that's really cool that, you know, it, it collectively kind of just like happened and there was no one like obviously pushing or having that exerted influence on it. Totally. And I think it was just like once one guy got a little bit, better at one thing everybody else was like oh yeah i guess i do have time to step this up and 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 do their end and uh so yeah it's been rad but especially the last the last five years like because i i do a lot of illustrating on my own time and um Mm -hmm. but i i I know nothing about photoshop i'm so bad everything i do is like like as if i was in 1995 sure and uh so it's amazing to have nick and riley understand so much about computers because i'm just like here you go, dudes. Like, help me. Right. <laughs> help me well, show this to the rest of the world. Well, I think it's funny too because then, like, to you know, to that point, it's the fact that you know you, uh, you know, you yourself have a following of you know people who are you like, yeah, they like the music that you play, but they're just like, yo, dude, he's a sick drummer. Like, and that's, <laughs> I mean, you know, and that that is a beast in and of itself as well. It's like you know, you are in certain ways you are separate from your bands, even though like that's not that's not your intention. You know, you're not being like. Oh, this is like I'm going to develop my own personal brand. Like you didn't go out. No, totally, totally e- extending that. But it's just funny because you know because of your 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 lack of of knowledge when it comes to you know the internet, computers, whatever. It's like it the fact that you now have that sort of presence online. It's just humorous. It's humorous to me right. because of that. <laughs> I mean it's it's humorous to me because I'm getting in touch with a lot of people that are like really good at it. Sure, and I'm like faking my way through conversations. Just totally. Like, yeah, because they're like saying all this stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, you're doing this and engagement. It's just like, oh, did I just posted that video like two days ago. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool. Like, Well, yeah, and and I do learn a lot from them. Of but course. It's, it's hilarious because there's a lot of, like I have some friends that do uh, 
that I've like met through Instagram and stuff that killers. Um, but a lot of times I'll deal with just different endorsement companies and stuff like that. And some of them are amazing. Right. And some of them, they just worry so much about all these inhuman details. And right. they don't just focus on the fact that like, if you just put up a cool video, right. Even if I don't, I'm not telling anybody to do this, but even if it's a cell phone video, right. if the content is interesting enough, the drummer is good enough or it'll engage. Right. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of people just get, I mean, it's like what we're talking about when musicians get too far into skill where, you know, there's still this very obvious aspect that needs to be good for someone to care. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it is very funny that I'm like still posting GoPro videos right, <laughs> and, right. and like whatever. And so how, like, you know, kind of because of that and obviously because of, you know, your involvement, you know, with Night Versus, like, how have you always kind of dealt with the sort of business side of things in regards to music? Like, has that something that's been, you're just like, the less of that I do, the better, or like you've rolled up your sleeves and kind of figured it out or what, how do you handle it? Uh, you know, I think that when we were young, we spent so much time in a, a practice room that we just assumed like, if you get signed, then you're good. Right. Like totally. that, you're you on easy I mean? street. Right, right. Yeah. You get an apartment and which becomes a house and like totally people show up to shows <laughs> and dude, I can't believe like when we were young, we wouldn't even stay like we half the shows we played with you, yeah. we weren't even smart enough to stay. We'd be like, "Oh, we're done. Let's go oh, get food." Right. Like we wouldn't keep our merch up. You know what I mean? We just <laughs> we just didn't know. Totally, you didn't know better, right? And right. so I think you know you get to a point where it's like you can't make the same mistake over and over sure, and over. Sure. So what happened was we um we did this record last year, or two years ago mm-hmm. with Ross Robinson, who for the record is like my. F- like my favorite producer of all time growing up. That yeah. was the biggest bucket list, I think, so In, far. Intense dude, but yeah. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, he did all my favorite records. And I remember just being like, I want to know what that's like. Absolutely. I want to be in that room, right? Yeah. Like even as a kid, I didn't know who producers were, but I knew who he was. Of course. Um, but what happened was we put out that record and there were uh, so many different uncontrollable factors that led to us kind of hitting a lull where we couldn't tour uh, like we had three great tours lined up that all for one reason or another, like one band, the the lead singer got really, really sick. And so they had to cancel it. The other one, they had booked the tour before they asked us on it, but it, the the money did not make sense for them to take anyone else out. So it's like all these different things worked out. And I was like, oh crap, we're, we're not going to get to tour on this. Cause you, totally. you know, like tours usually get planned three months in advance. Absolutely. So if you clear your schedule for three tours and then they all fall through, you get, you got nine months free, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, what do we do? And so I, uh, you know, I, I, my parents are, um, very good at leading by example and not really like making excuses and they just kind of get shit done. And that, that is what it is. And, um, sure. I was like, all right, I have to figure something out. Like mm-hmm. I, I've always tried to be conscious of what advantages I have in that moment. So when I was young, for example, um, we were always friends with Let Live and nice. they got out and they were touring Europe when we were still at home writing. And I, I had those like little moments where I'm like, damn, I want to be in Europe. I want to be doing of this. Of course, right. And then I sat there and I'm like, well, you know, everybody that's touring doesn't have time to practice. So I was like, I'm going to practice five hours a day because that's what I can do. And then once I got on the road, I'm like, oh crap, I, I don't have time to practice. So what am I going to do? And so I'd start making videos. Um, I made this like video for GoPro where I would drum in all these different locations, like different countries and states and have the like big monument behind me and tie it all together with a BPM. And then I sold that to GoPro. And I, and I we also did a documentary where we'd ask people around the world, uh, when you listen to music, what do you listen for? And so that that stage was about um, 
figuring out how to take advantage of being everywhere else but home and mm-hmm. making up for the fact you're not practicing. So sure. what happened was I had this situation in front of me where I had nine months off and I'm like, all right, I have to do this again. Like, what what am I going to do? And so I kind of just said, I, I'm going to post a video a day just because I know that I'll have to force myself to come up with something mm-hmm. that I'm willing to put out in public if I do that. So it wasn't like a... Like oh if I if I hit this market I'll get to to this stat or yeah, something. Yeah, it was a, it was a matter of like you wanted to be productive. Right, exactly, and that felt like some like a new thing where I could still feel inspired. It wasn't like cool. Let's just practice five more hours. You know, right, like right, I, right. I was conscious of the fact that all of that practice had helped, but it wasn't getting the band bigger of and course. stuff like that. So I kind of just tried to go in and 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 test some theories on on what would work and and get my own stuff to a point where. I could then say, okay, I know this works, so let's do this with the band. Right. So that basically that nine months was just that. Like I, we would still write night verses, but every day I would have to post a video and cycle through ideas because when you're doing that, you really test your creativity because you can't just post the same video, like right. idea six times. So first it would just be something that's really difficult on drums, and then it would be um, integrating like effects pedals, like a. a like a whammy pedal that Tom Morello from Rage would use on a drum set. Mm-hmm. And then it would be like trying to do a 360 on the throne and come down. And then I would rotate through these ideas and ultimately made me more creative just because it was like this weird forced experiment. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it helped out because as that stuff grew, obviously I could tie that back to the band. Of course. And, um, and then, yeah, just kind of blend the interests of the people following me with what the band was doing. So it, it worked out. So uh, like, fairly well for what I was trying to do, but it was definitely just out of like desperation of being home. And I was like, I got to do something. I really, it's cool like to hear that because I think it's, it's probably very easy for people to look at you just from like an online persona and just like, you know, either make fun of it, throw, throw stones at you and just be like, Oh, whatever. It's just another, another, another dude on the internet (laughs) playing drums crazy, you know, but it's like, the, the fact that you, you know, laid this out with just, you know, you were trying to experiment and you were trying to push yourself, like, like you said, out of desperation, like those are, those are the times when people actually accomplish something that is like, it doesn't have to be like world changing, but you should be like, oh wow, this changed my life for the better because right. I was backed into this corner and I didn't know what to do. So I was just like, well, I guess I'll just try, I'll try this out. Like it right. can't get any worse. Totally. Like what's this go, what's this going to do? <laughs> like into my drumming career. It's like, no, it's just, if no one cares, then no one cares. That's fine. But like I've developed my skills. It's just very, totally. I just like that because it's not, yeah, you're like, there's business principles involved in it, but it's not at the core tenet of it, you know? Totally. And that's what was, I think was weird because again, we grew up listening to punk. So like there was like 10 years where we were like the internet's lame. Like, yeah, we're, yeah. You know I mean, like we're not, we don't care about that stuff. Yeah, like, what is it, social media? It's, it's useless. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, go to a show. And right, then right. you realize when you tour with a band, like we toured with, um, one okay rock. Who's massive in Japan. Huge. Right. Also the coolest people on earth. I need to say that. But cool. um, <laughs> when they played their second tour here uh-huh. and we were, were right before them and they had like 200 people at the most sure. night. And that was kind of like a big wake up, wake up call in the sense that when we were young, we thought all you do is get on the road and people will start to show up more and more. And we did five years of touring straight. Totally. And uh, then I'm looking at this band that's only been here twice. Right. And the second time they have like whatever. 3,000 plus people knowing every word. And so, you know, you just have to, at a certain point, especially being an adult or at least growing up, realize like things change and Mm -hmm. like 
you you can figure out how much of that change you want to bring in or if you want to commit. But again, we're we're pretty stubborn. We wouldn't practice in a room five days a week right. if we weren't. So we did our best to like like stay stay punk, but but like get yeah. into it. You know what I mean? And of course, and find a way to mix the two because um, we're not stupid. So right, uh, yeah, that's kind of where it all came from. And uh, I just I, I do I I like that because I mean at that time too, you know whatever the mid two thousands. That's when there you actually saw you could see like you were talking about <clears throat> like going to warp tour like there was a, a clear map as far as like oh like bands can quote unquote make a living and like you know that living may mean touring 10 months out of the year right and then you know having their rent paid but like that was like oh my gosh but like you know in the whatever late 90s early 2000s you could only point to like maybe a handful of bands you could be like all right, there's like Poison the Well and like Hate Breed. Yeah. And like they're like other than that you're just like I don't know. Like how, how is that even possible? Right. But then like in the mid 2000s is definitely when that shift started to take place where you could be like, all right, we can do this and like push ourselves to like try to get to that spot, but you didn't have to do it in a way that was like you're like, oh, like you know, so many people talk about like chasing a trend. It's like totally you're always going to be chasing something if you're being like, all right, dude, like Under Oath is hot right now. We got to sound like Under Oath or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that. I love that you brought up that band, by the way, because that was like our high school experience was all our friends chasing Under Oath. Absolutely. And it, it, there, there's, you know, every two years it cycles through where it's just like that particular band. Yeah. You know, it, the band doesn't even need to be like the most popular thing ever, but it's just, I mean, Seosin was another band where it's just like, everyone's just like, oh, so you got to sing really high and be technical. Yeah, totally. It's like, oh, okay. Then you have, you know, your C rate bands that are just trying to rip that off or whatever. Totally. And I think we are, what's funny that you're saying this is that we always pick the bands that you probably shouldn't be chasing. <laughs> like we were like, let's be like the bled. <laughs> Totally. We're you're young. Like, you're bled circa like you know two records after uh you know they pass the flask you're like oh let's like like yeah the bleds like th- we really like that and it's like yeah. well yeah that that band like was hot like a couple years ago you're like but it's the blood still like yeah yeah exactly it and I, i'm saying that because they were dope i don't care oh, but, yeah who cares but yeah, we yeah, were yeah. just always like like one day i remember us talking like man none of the bands we like are uh really successful huh and they were like, yeah, that's kind of true. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, what can we expect here? Right, uh, right. I would love to tell you about another awesome sponsor of the show, URM Academy. What is it? It is an online recording school created by Joey Sturgis, Ial Levi, and Joel Wozniak, producers who have worked with pretty much every heavy band that you can think of. Machine Head, The Double Wars Prada, Of Mice and Men, Asking Alexandria, the list can go on and on. So here's how it works. At the beginning of every month, you get the real multi-track session from a top artist and the mixer's notes, so you can drop it into your DAW and learn it by mixing yourself, mixing it by yourself from scratch. Then at the end of the month, you'll watch a live streaming mix session where the mixer will mix the song from the start to the finish and explain how they did it on the album and answer your questions live and on the air. Past guests include Andrew Wade from A Day to Remember, Bo Rochelle from Seosin, Nolly from Periphery. Daniel Bergstrand and Mashuga and Logan Mater and Gojira, amongst many other people. So if you want to take your mixing game to the next level, head on over to urmacademy.com and get your learning activated. I've seen this straight up. It's amazing. If I was interested in recording bands and mixing and everything from a technical perspective, I would be all over this academy. It is the real deal. Trust me. Go to urmacademy.com and you will become enlightened. Thank you very much. Now, on with the show. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. 
Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Um, and like, as you, uh, you know, at, like you said, you know, when, when night versus was, you know, out there and touring frequently, did you take to the road right away? Like, did you personally like being on the road immediately or was that something that was tough at the beginning? No, I mean, we, it was, we went through some hard stuff, of course, but we of course. had such a buildup of thinking we were going to be on the road when we're 18 That's true. and not being on the road <laughs> right, to where right. we were just like, yeah, you just sleep on floors that have cat piss next to you. Right. Like, we yeah. just thought that's what you do. Yeah, as one does. So right, right. When, when it happened, we are like, yup. And I'll never forget this because I – so I went to Kelsey Fortune and I graduated in 2012. And the whole time I was trying to get out of college to tour. Right. But the tours just weren't happening for, sure. for our band. So I graduated uh, – What would you get your degree in? Communications with an emphasis in radio, television, and film because I thought if I was ever going to do anything with it, I'd want to – um, I didn't want to score, but I wanted to pick songs for soundtracks. Oh, just, okay. I thought it'd be an amazing way to promote Music bands supervisor. I love. Sure, sure. And just like, uh, just it, it's, I mean, I liked making burn CDs when I was a kid. I was like, let's make a career out of this. Of course. So um, anyways, I graduate and my friend at the time, right when we graduated, because we got our first tour, like legit tour with Let Live, uh, legit US tour with Let Live, like two months after I graduated. Okay. And my friend had just gotten a job with... Um, Lionsgate and she was helping like assist the music supervisor and I remember texting her like this is crazy you have to tell me about your job and like we had gone through the gnarliest night like Riley was doing this six hour drive through snow and we're all covered in sweat obviously but it's (laughs) freezing so it's just like you're extra like sticky sure and then there's like 16 different big rigs flipped on the way to this house that's two hours away but it's the only one we could stay at for free of course and we get there and I go to bed and the dog that was with let live at the time is like at the end of his leash trying to like bite my face. And I'm just trying to sleep on this floor with cat piss next to me, which is where that reference came from. Sure. And she finally texts me back and she goes, I can't wait to tell you about all about it. We're living our dreams. I, I'd love to hear about the tour. And I'm like just looking at this dog and yeah. like freezing thing. Like, yep. Yep. Like this is, <laughs> this is what I've built my life to. Yeah, totally. And I thought it was so funny. Um, yeah. But it was what I wanted. So I was like, yeah, I mean, this is hilarious. It'll be a good story later. But I think we were always just down. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. We, just the just the experience. And like, because I mean, I know some people like, we, I mean, you went into it with both eyes open. But sometimes right. some people, uh, you know, like that are more introverted or whatever, like they hit on the road and they're just like, oh, like, so I'm never alone. And this is t- like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to handle this or whatever. Right. But yeah, like you, you came into it expecting one thing getting it delivered <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. as opposed to like you know some people are just like oh yeah so you like you, you tour in a van for a tour and then you hop right in a bus right it's like dude i we still get that because we're in a van right now and, of course. and people are always like oh don't worry man i've done so many bus tours i'm like dude i'm older than you right. <laughs> like and i'm usually the young one on the tour <laughs> but we don't care i mean like we obviously we're, we're working to, like we'd love to be in a bus but yeah uh you know, we've also had time at home and we still ended up on the road because we liked it. So of course it's like, it's, if, if you can connect the dots, you figure out the person you are and where you want to be. And that's why we're still playing together. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. That's cause that, that, that the core principle of it is behind it where it's just like, well, yeah, like we'd like, 
creating with each other so much that why would we ever, why would we, why would we ever turn this in? You know, totally. Um, so how do you, I mean, obviously you have a history with, with Jason and let live and you know, you played drums in the fever. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I presume it was one of those things where it's like, you know, Jason just basically looped back around you. It was just like, dude, I got this thing I want to do. Yeah. He, he's awesome. Um, yes, he basically I had, so I'd filled in with let live. We'd known let live oh, since we were I didn't know 15 that. and okay. then, um, they were doing this transition with drummers. They've had a couple transitions with drummers yes, and uh, <laughs> a few times they've been like, yo, dude, do you want to do this? But again, it's like Nick and Riley are just the dudes I play with. So I never thought twice. I was always like, if they weren't here, I would, but right. blah, blah, blah. and, and so we did a, um, a Deftones tour in Australia and like, no, I had, no, no big deal. No big deal. Well, right. So <laughs> I had this moment where like, cause that tour was uh, in 2013. That was like massive, a big deal for me to, mm-hmm. to go. Cause that's one of my favorite bands and I was on tour and there's actually people there that right. know the songs and I in remember, a different country. Like, yeah. yeah. And there was this perfect night. Like we were, it was like second night sold out, um, at this place that was called the palace in Sydney. It's not there anymore. And it was this crazy theater where there's like four tiers. Like you could see every person in the room. There was no like distant, like darkening of the crowd. Right. Everyone was there. And, the show went perfect. Deftones switched up their set to probably the best set I've ever seen. And I've seen that band like 12 times. Sure. And then like whoever the label was that was working with them at the time is like, you have to join the band, all this stuff. And I remember looking at this just on this like right. next level high being like, <laughs> it's just one night. <laughs> like, like yeah. enjoy it. Hold on. Yeah. Soak this in. <laughs> right. And uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm like lucky that I was like conscious enough to say that because I didn't. You know, I feel like a lot of people in that position would have been like later to their friends. But I, it was I was just very happy that I got the opportunity to do both. Um, right. But then as years went by, Jason had brought up other things to do. And I was always just like, I'm still doing this. And then finally, when uh, we had talked a lot, like I'm, I'm saying, like we'd have conversations all the time about doing projects together. But we were both so busy. This one lined up and there were a lot of circumstances that had just been like, very serendipitous and i was like all right sure. let's do it right like, they, i can make this balance if i can do this like whole separate solo drumming career thing where i'm playing drum fest in korea and germany and do night verses and build whatever online stuff i have to i can fit this like I've, i'm figuring out how to manage things at this age so right yeah he hit me up and um it's just been crazy. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, it sucks because I, there are more details I want to give in certain things that I, we just can't yet. Of course. But he, if, I feel like for all of the chemistry that I have in writing with Nick and Riley and, and just composing music, when it comes to like playing a live show, even though we haven't played together as long, it's like the same thing. Like, yeah. And you even, feel like you're stepping into it. Yeah. And there's no, I mean, we understand each other. There's no guy being like, Hey dude, don't jump out of your seat on drums because, like, this isn't the right time. It's just like, dude, right. do whatever. Like, yeah. we played the Roxy show, and I, I remember, like, doing a 360 on my seat. And I come down, and, like, everybody's looking the other direction because Jason's <laughs> yeah, yeah. jumping rafters, from one balcony to the other. And, and Steven, uh, who's formerly of the Chariot, yep. is, like, in the middle of the pit swinging his guitar in a circle. And I'm like, yep, that's what this band is. So <laughs> yeah. it, Everyone doing their own insane things. Yeah, yeah but yeah. It, it's sick because just like Night Versus on that tip, everybody's pushing themselves and you see that guy do this and you're like, all right, what am I going to do here? And, uh, I kind of just want those situations as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's really cool that especially too, because it's like when you look at something that is, uh, deliberate and calculated, sometimes it comes across as, you know, just like either too business savvy or just like, it comes across as just like, Oh, like, 
Oh, so like this is your new thing. Especially now. Like, yeah, of with course. The, with the internet, like of course, teaching you the tools to get people engaged. It's just like sometimes it's painful to see mm-hmm. people be so shameless with like, I'm here to do this for you. Right. So I, I get what you're saying completely. Totally. And so, but the, the fact that it's like, you know, all, all of you are, you know, older, smarter, wiser, and, and you know how to, well, the, you don't know how to do that appropriately, but like the, you know, the way that the band has been exposed is very much just like, oh yeah, like this, this, this makes sense. There's no piece that doesn't fit where it's just like, oh, that's kind of a weird vibe. Oh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> totally. You know, like, like that, cause I, I think even though people are, immune to a lot of that, I think a lot of people still obviously have bullshit detectors. Yeah. And are just like, oh, that's, that's stupid. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know? And, totally. and and generally speaking, from what I've seen about how people interact with with what it is that you guys are doing is very much just like, oh, like, I, I get that. Like, I, yeah. I, I see where, I see the point of it existing and it's not just from like, oh, we're going to play another band that, you know, all of us together are, are more notable, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that that's the thing is just all of, I mean, you can't look at the lineage of Let Live's career, the Chariot's career, and call them posers. No, you know I mean? no, like, no, no, no. Being on the inside of that for years, I can say that like I've never seen a band tour as much as Let Live as far as the people I grew up with. Yeah. Like, they would do two shows a day regularly. Totally. People would just be like, hey, the show's over, but we have a house down the street and yeah. just make it oh, happen. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. And, and plus playing for so, like, I, I, I'll never forget, like, once, you know, Let Live, whatever, Let Live, Let Live put out their record on Tragic Hero and then, you know, went over to Epitaph. It was one of those things, by that time, let live had already existed for like seven, eight years. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. Oh, I'm like, wait. And then it just, it's, uh, it's weird. I'm sure for people like you and I, who obviously have a long history with that band and knowing yeah. where they come from. And then it's just like, wait now in 2012, like almost, you know, whatever, somewhat like close to 10 years later. Now people are being like, Oh, you let live sick. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just Dude. crazy to see that. I mean, and then even further from that, which this is like one of my favorite things is like, like seeing, uh, I mean, it's weird to say now because I've known him for so long and it it doesn't feel like this. But seeing Mm -hmm. Jason when I was 15 and he was 19, I was like, who is this guy's crazy, you know? Totally. And then obviously we we started hanging over the years and stuff. But now because of what we're doing and I'm seeing, um, you know, like someone from a a label or someone older see Jason for the first time. I'm like, dude, this is like watching 15 year old me. See this guy for the first Absolutely. time. And, You're like, and you've never experienced anything like this before. It's so fun for me. <laughs> Even like having like a, I had my parents cruise out to the, to the Roxy show. And like, of course. it's so fun for me to see them see him for the first time. And especially now, because I think if they would have seen him when I was 15, they're like, is this kid on drugs? Absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, totally, totally. They're but, like, we are not letting our son hang out with him <laughs> at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, and that's the cool thing too, is neither him or Steven like ever changed. Like I was, I had, I remember, uh, I had a symbol that mm-hmm. I was like, hey, just so you know, this is going like to hit the ceiling at some point tonight. Right. Steven's like, cool, whatever. If it hits me, I don't care. Like yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. very like I'm like, oh, really? Like I was. Yeah. That's to be lame. Now I say it. I'm the lame one here. I was saying it like just know this shit's going to happen. Totally. And they were like, all right. Like right. well, almost like, why did you tell us? Yeah. This? yeah OK, cool. Yeah. yeah. I know, man, we're, we're going to try to hurt you tonight. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, the last thing I want to handle was the notion of like what you're talking about in the fact that, you know, you are known in the drum community and, you know, you do drum clinics and all that sort of like you're saying, you know, getting flown to, you know, Germany or whatever. Um, like are, are those experiences like kind of completely separate in your head? Because I'm sure like from my limited experience, like I've never been asked to go anywhere to scream into a microphone, but like from, I'm so glad you said that from my limited experience, like 
those I'm sure that that has a lot of capability or a lot of uh, potential to be like really weird and awkward. Um, like, but have you found though? I mean, you, you've done them for a long enough time to kind of maybe understand a little bit better. Like how, how does it sit? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I had a quick misunderstanding when you said screaming in the microphone because I just did a drum solo in Germany where I screamed in a microphone. Oh, so I thought you were like, yeah, yeah sorry. No, I was referencing me. I've yeah, never your been whole life is doing this. I'm just catching up. I appreciate that. No, <laughs> totally. So, um, I started doing the drum off the guitar center drum. It's like this nationwide contest uh, that it actually just ended this year, but they did it for 30 years and 4,500 people enter. It gets down to top five. And I just did it because I was in college and I was like, I need to get out. I need to get better, whatever. And so I I just signed up for the local store and it just was this annual thing where I do it. Like uh, I work on it for a month and then, I would get as far as I could. And so I did it for five years. The fifth year I got to the finals of every year I'd get like a little bit further, but like these dudes are good. Like people like you weed through the local drummers to the, like the good dudes real fast. Right. And I, up to that point, like I had never heard of gospel drumming. So you show up and you just, I've never heard anything like this. What? (laughs) Yeah. Where, what is the, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So I, um, I had, had been like a little bit introduced to that world. And then when I got to the finals, um, that was like the first thing where it doesn't matter if how good you are, like people will see that video because there's just a big community around that. Sure. So um, I did the 2012 drum off and uh, like I knew everybody's level was everybody was on such a high level. I had to do something that would stand out or that they couldn't do because that I'm not going to pretend to play gospel or pretend to play Latin and just look like a C rate version. Totally. And so in that, like I just integrated all of my interests for my whole life. I started in a headstand and I did gymnastics for nine years and I did a three or no, I didn't do three. I, uh, did a three sixty shove it on my seat. Cause I grew up watching skateboarding, watching skateboarding and yeah, yeah. I was really into like dramatic tension and release because of hardcore. So my solo would be like literally a breakdown with me jumping out of my seat into like a really quick Latin groove. And, it was just this weird conglomerate of my whole life in these five minutes. Yeah. And um, for whatever reason, it went viral. So it did like, I think it's like at, collectively with the two uploads, it's like 13 million views right now. Yeah. And from that, I started getting a lot of opportunities. Of course. To do do similar stuff. And uh, so it just ended up being something I, 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 I like challenges. Even, mm-hmm. if, even if I feel really uncomfortable, if I know that the only thing separating me from pulling it off is... is uh, work then sure. I'll, I'll say yes like your own capabilities yeah right? totally sure, sure um and so then i got contacted to do the south korea one and then i just did a 40 minute drum solo in germany which was like probably the hardest thing i've ever done right but um to answer your question it's more so i've just been trying to find ways to make it feel more and more like a hardcore show basically yeah exactly like break because i i remember like i i the the drummer for taken he took me to a Terry Bozio performance. Okay. Like we said, when, you know, when the, when the, con- the conserve or not the observatory was called the galaxy. The galaxy. Yeah, so yeah. like, yeah, we were in high school and he took me to it. And of course it was unbelievable. It was just like, here's this guy with like a 975 piece drum set, <laughs> yeah. like 475 symbols, <laughs> symbols behind him. But it was, it was, you know, it was obviously like seated environment. I just look at that and I'm like, this dude shreds, but like, I didn't even feel one second of it. You know, it's like, you didn't, right. feel, it, it was, it was just mechanical and wrote. Totally. And so, I like that notion of what you're trying to talk about where it's just like, yes, like I, I am showing off my skills and showing off like what I can do, but like to have that connectivity there too. Totally. And that's actually what was, um, 
fun and scary about the the 40 minute solo is sure just being like all right how do i make this entertaining and right. i'm also like new to this so yeah. when they told me 40 minutes i was like okay like i'll put together 40 minutes everybody else was putting like just literally playing their band songs and then like oh. broken up and i was like you know what i'm just gonna You're like i literally got 40 minutes planned yeah and i i, <laughs> I realized it about halfway through and i was like whatever i'll just i might as well do it like, yeah yeah yeah. i prepared here. for it and then again, it was the same thing where that that level was not it wasn't the top level of amateurs. This was the top level of like drummers. So Chris mm-hmm. Coleman went to go play with Beck the next day. And and Benny Greb is one of the top clinicians in the world. Mm-hmm. And everybody and, and Alex Rudinger has played on metal albums since he was like 16. So it's like I couldn't do I, I just can't do gospel. I, if yeah. I went just straight metal, there'd be two guys that were better than me at it. So, again, it was this really uh, weird like journey, I guess, to try and figure out how I could just make my own thing there. Right. And um, part of that was I, I, again, looking at my advantages and I was like, cool, I have this time at home. These people are busy. So I'm going to put together something that would take this much time to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, and I, I grew up also listening to a lot of um, trip hop, like DJ shadow and Portishead, massive attack. Sure. So I kind of committed to doing all these different samples while I was playing. And then, try and put those aspects in and like like a yeah. hardcore show. Every, everything with the kitchen sink yes yes and then uh <laughs> and then there was a moment and this is these are the things that i enjoy is you're playing to this german audience that expects you to be like very cordial and of course and, uh, buttoned up sure and discuss your technique and i mean and not that that's a german thing just at, at any drum fest any, totally totally and so i'm like i had that weird beastie boys effect from intergalactic planetary or yep. is that what the song's called sorry i think so yeah yeah and uh I'm like screaming into the mic playing and, and uh, I played that dark riverboat song from Willy Wonka. And like when that's blasted and the right music is behind it, it gets really demonic. And so there was, there was just a lot of stuff that I went in being like, cool. This is for me. Right. This this could, this could legitimately bump some people out, but we'll see how they go. Yeah. And because it's 40 minutes, nobody, uh, nobody had a pause to clap. So I'm going 40 minutes being like, hey, I don't really know what's going yeah, on here. What's but, the vibe? <laughs> but let's just, just keep going. And uh, yeah. And so ultimately, like, I think that's what I've been trying to do is, is merge those worlds because as much as I am grateful that I'm being asked to do these, like, I'm not going to pretend like I grew up there or like yeah, I'm part that, that, of that, that, that scene. Right. That that is in your environment. I think it's a very important point. Cause it's like, yes, of course you need to like exude confidence and be like, okay, like, you know, I've been asked to be here. So like, of course, like I'm excited to do it, but then to like act like this is the comfortable mode in which you operate in. It's like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. Right. Like, oh, right. I've, this is like my, you know, 10th time doing something like this. This is kind of weird. Like, yeah, exactly. And I think, now, more than ever, especially based off what we've, we've been kind of hinting at throughout this whole conversation, uh, people have like an all time high bullshit meter because, you know, you, you started with seeing like American Idol, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years ago and you thought and then you start seeing that some of these people are like not actually this crazy. And like, you know, what I mean, like reality sure. TV is like you realize some of it's fake and then you're looking at everybody questioning everything. And I think what is like one of the most important commodities right now in art is seeing somebody that is actually genuine Mm -hmm. and it's people are so good at faking it. So I think like any opportunity, whether it's night versus or the fever or a solo show where you can say like, these are all the things that I've cared about my whole life. I didn't learn this because I saw a guy backflip from one drum to the other. I just, this is what I did. And like Mm -hmm. the, like our influences from night versus are from, the nineties, but we know those bands. It's not like we didn't find out about them last week. Right. And so I, I'm just really 
happy that I get to be involved in projects where I know everybody in those is not faking it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, wherever that takes us is cool. But I know those are the only type of artists at this point in my life that I still am, uh, am like blown away by the same way I was when I was a kid and I believed everything. Totally. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you want you you want to surround yourself with people who are yeah ultimately just genuine in what it is that they are, and it doesn't matter on what scale, on yeah, what level. You're totally. like, hey, well, yeah, like this, you know, this may be successful, this may not be successful, but aligning myself with these people is kind of the, the the core component of why I'm doing it. Totally. And then the knowledge is just more interesting. Like sure. it's way cooler for me to hear because Riley grew up, his brother was like, this punk band is cool. This one isn't. And that was just his, that was it. Right. His whole, and like, I get to learn about like an era of punk. I did not know about sure. from him. That's not really important to a lot of people, but like it, it gives me more insight into who he is and where his base is coming from. And I prefer that knowledge over like, you know, uh, a trending article that, I, I may be able to talk to more people about, right? but it's just kind of less interesting because everybody is only interested for that minute, you exactly, know, yeah, where it's yeah. talking to somebody about their like emotional connection to these things and how it affected how they grew up and all that other stuff like that. I mean, that, that goes deeper for everybody. It's just, yeah. I guess, um, I mean, you, I'm sure you are too. When you, when you're invested with people that are so into their craft that they're willing to sleep in a van for of course. 10, 20 years, there's there's no like trending factor. They're just like this no, is who I am. No, no. Yeah, exactly. It's <clears throat> this is. I would be doing this regardless of what you know real life value this is providing. It's just like I'm just doing this because because this is something that's fun and enjoyable and like I, it's ticking all these boxes for you. Exactly. As opposed to yeah something where it's just like oh yeah I guess I'll do this because yeah like you said it's it's hot of the moment or whatever. But yeah, dude, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, Eric, for coming on the show, coming over to the house, hanging out. It was funny because he pulled up to my house with a skateboard and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a great interview. (laughs) So uh, thank you very much, Eric, like I said, and thank you very much, Alec, for helping set this up. I love that you were engaged with the show. I love that you were listening to the very end because you get rewarded by hearing who is going to be on the show next week. And next week is a super fun one. Carlos Ramirez from noecho.net, who you've heard me mention many, many times before. If you're not visiting that website, you are missing out completely. No Echo is a great, great website that does a lot of coverage in punk and hardcore and metal and a bunch of fun stuff. So anyways, Carlos and I dissected and got real deep into power violence. We got just we basically buried treasure episode. That's what it is, where we talked about three bands a piece, talked about why they were important, and uh, yeah, just nerd out, and it was great. So that's what we have on tap for next week. And until then, like I encourage you to always be safe. All right, well, I say be safe, everybody. That's that's better, right? Be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com. Shh. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public... 
the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.